0: Hi, and welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alicia Burtis, and I have a PhD in chemistry and polymer science. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Hi, everyone. So today we are talking about energy dispersive x-ray spectroscopy, which is the third and final instalment in the episodes for the electron microscope educating series. So we spoke briefly about EDX in the earlier episodes, and the basic introduction is that there's signals that are caused by the electron beam and the interaction with your sample. These signals are caused by backscattering electrons, secondary electrons, and characteristic X-rays which are emitted from samples and have the chemical composition information of your specific sample and the elements within that. And these X-rays are the focus of energy dispersive X-ray spectroscopy. So how are X-rays formed? When the atom in the sample is exposed to the electron beam, the electron in the atom becomes disorganized due to the excited state caused by the high energy beam. The electrons become ejected from the inner shell, which is called elastic scattering, and the electron from the outer shell can fill in this hole. The difference in the energy is then emitted as X-ray photons. These X-ray radiations are unique to each atom or element. Typical transitions that occur during X-ray emissions are the K, L and M multiple lines, which are visualized on a spectra. So how this works is that each shell has uh, several energy levels. There are then lots of types of transitions that can occur and some X-ray photons may overlap slightly with others. Um, so knowing the characteristic peaks for each type of element, Based on the types of transitions and where these peaks should be located will help to establish what element it is and whether it is overlapping with something else. So we have a spectra recorded by a spectrometer in front of you of a sample containing, for instance, sulphur and lead. You will see overlapping occurring for one peak where both sulphur and lead emits. But, sulphur only has one peak, while lead has a second peak occurring due to a different, second energy level emission, which can then confirm the presence of lead in the sample. So the acquisition of the analysis is controlled by the EDX software. The energy of the electron beam coming into the sample is important, and it is usually around 15 to 20 kV, which is kilovolts. The area for acquisition of data can be selected using the software. You can do point and ID, mapping, and line scans. The software can then aim and focus the beam on the specific area selected. The lines you end up seeing on a spectra are not actually lines but distributions across the axis based on the kilo electron volts. EDS can show you these peaks simultaneously for all energy levels. It is fast but the resolution is around 130 electron volts for the elements. This makes it sometimes challenging if you have little amounts of elements in your sample that you hope to detect since you will struggle to correctly identify it if it overlaps with another element. Luckily, there are a solution for this called WD, which is wave dispersion spectroscopy. Instead of being based on the separation of energies, the acquisition is based on separation by a crystal, via diffraction. It is a monochromatic single channel analyzer and need to be tuned to the specific elements in question using the software. It is slower but have good resolution at 5 electron volts. The signal of X-ray comes from the sample at about 2 to 5 micrometers. It is good to have thin samples so that the interaction volume is high. There are quite a few ways of analyzing your sample, like we mentioned, mapping, point and ID, and line scanning. For mapping, you are scanning an area of your sample pixel by pixel. Here, the magnification and area surface selection is very important to ensure quality analysis. You then gain an image that becomes overlap with color based on different elements detected by the software or selected by you. There are improved detectors that exist that are taking over from environmental edX mapping, called ColorSim. A conventional edX mapping takes time And information is acquired as images is scanned multiple times and it usually gives a grainy image. The newer versions like ColorSim does this immediately and the images are smoother. Mapping shows us the distributions and combinations of the elements within the sample. The surface area selected for mapping need to be flat and uniform as possible. If the surface is at an angle or full with a deep crevice, the electron will not have the correct escape path towards the detector uh, and this might influence the quality of the map. There are elements that EDX cannot detect. These elements are helium, hydrogen, lithium and in most cases beryllium. This is because these elements have energy transitions that are out of the detection range of the EDX. In most cases, the EDX detector window and crystal is used to prevent contaminants onto the detector and it is normally comprised of beryllium and lithium and therefore interfere with the lithium and beryllium detection. There are windowless EDX detectors that can be used if you wish to detect beryllium but these are expensive and not so easily available. Noble gases also give some trouble during EDX analysis because they typically don't form solids with other elements. When extracting data for EDX or WD, you can choose to extract in various ways. You can extract the data in atomic percentage, weight percentage or compound percentage. Atomic percentage is based on the number of atoms in the sample. So for example, if you have 2% lead and 4% iodine, then it will be a 2 to 1 ratio and it will be reported as such in atomic percentage, which means 2% iodine and 1% lead. Weight percentage is based on the mass of the elements detected. Weight percentage takes into account the mass of atomic weight of the elements and not only the number of atoms detected. Compound percentage shows you your elements detected in the combination with another element, like for instance sulfate, where sulfur is combined with oxygen. Some of the other manners of scanning and analyzing your sample that I quickly mentioned earlier. Point and ID and line scanning are made very easy using current available software. You can set a line using the software that the electron beam will follow to generate a plot of the relative proportions of the elements presented in your sample. You can also select points, also called spots, that localize and keeps the beam steady on one specific spot on the sample. You can also select a small or large square of the area of interest. EDS is comprised of three basic components. First, you have the X-ray detector, which detects and converts X-rays into electron signals. Then you have the pulse processor. This measures the electronic signals to determine the energy of each X-ray detected. Thirdly, you have the multiple channel analyzer, which displays and interprets the X-ray data. So the X-ray detector consists of the collimator assembly, which provides the limiting aperture through which X-rays have to pass to reach the detector. This ensures that only X-rays get detected from only the areas of interest. Also within the X-ray detector following the collimator assembly is the electron trap. This is a pair of electron magnets that strongly deflects passing electrons that may cause artifacts. In this detector system, the window comes next. This is a barrier that maintains the vacuum within the detector. Next we have the crystal, which is a silicon material with drifted lithium to compensate for small levels of impurities. The crystal absorbs a series of ionization from the X-ray energies, and it helps to produce a charge signal, the size of which is proportional to the energy of the incident X-ray of the element. Then, the second last component in the detector is the field effect transistor. It is a part of the amplification process that measures the charge coming from the crystal. It converts it into a voltage output. The final piece of the X-ray detector system is the cryostat. The cryostat is crucial to help reduce the electron noise of the detector by cooling the crystal and the field emission transmitter with liquid nitrogen. The noise determines the resolution of a detector at particularly low energies. The other two components of an EDS is the pulse processor which amplifies the signal and transforms it to a voltage pulse suitable for the multi-channel analyzer. The input and the output rate of the signals are very important. You need to be able to control the acquisition rate to prevent the so called pulse pile up, which means that more data is flowing out than is being analyzed during the acquisition. You can control this by changing the probe current or spot size so that there is enough time to process all the signals coming in. The multi channel analyzer takes data from the pulse processor and displays it as a number of counts via voltage in kiloelectron volts, creating the spectra that we can then visualize. So EDX is a perfect tool for qualitative as well as quantitative analysis. You can easily establish or confirm what the chemical composition of your sample is and see impurities or contamination. You can also see how your elements are combined and where they are located in your sample, and quantify the amounts of each element to establish the chemical composition of your sample. So this was a quick episode just about EDX, focusing specifically on how it works and what is important. To tell me what you think of the podcast, you can leave a review, or you can email your comments and questions to polymersciencepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Feel free to share the episode and subscribe. I really appreciate your time and I thank you for listening.